Amen. We want to thank the Kidd family for their many years of service to the Lord, and uh, we're thankful to partner with them all these years and um, rejoice with them. Turn with your Bible, in your Bibles with me, if you would please, to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter number 14. Thank you for praying for Michelle and I. We were able to minister last week to a ch church in Worcester, Ohio. And um, if you're not from Worcester, you call it Wooster. Uh, I was calling it Wooster until they said it's not Wooster. It's not like a rooster, it's a Worcester. So we changed how we were pronouncing it. And um, 12 years old, this church is, and uh, the Lord's blessing them when we we're able to be there for their anniversary weekend. And so thank you for allowing us to do that. And we praise the Lord what he's doing here and all throughout this state. I love church planters, those that uh, go and start churches. It's a difficult thing. And um, so I praise the Lord for those that have the heart and uh, pioneering spirit to do that. I want you to pray if you would for Dick Dissop as well. I didn't mention him earlier, but Dick was in a car accident this past Monday. He cracked his sternum uh, and his wife then came down with COVID uh, this week. And so if you'll pray, pray for them. But um, it was interesting, Brother Dick, uh, he hit a parked car. What happened was the lanes were merging, the right lane merged into the left and he didn't merge in time. And there was a car there. And so he hit the car, the airbag went off and just really messed up both of the vehicles really bad. The car that he hit, the fella uh, that owned the car, it was in front of his home, he came out, and he was just yelling and screaming at Dick. Now, if you could yell and scream at Dick Dissup, you got an issue, you know? Dick is, he's apologizing, telling the man, I know it's my fault, I'm so sorry. And um, then another neighbor came out and was kind of a peacemaker, just calmed things down, and the neighbor whose the car was hit, uh, calmed him down, said, listen, it's just, it's just a car. It's not that big of a deal. He's going to replace it. Um, don't worry about it. And so the guy calmed down some. And so Dick went over to the fella. Again, now, with, now think about this. He just hit a car, cracked sternum. He walks over to the, the fella uh, that was kind of the peacemaker. And he said, can I give you a gift? And Dick is a giddy and he gives Bibles out everywhere he goes. And he said to the guy, I want to thank you for being so kind to me and, and uh, just, just bringing peace to the situation. I'm going to give you this Bible. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And before, before the, the uh, scene was all over and cleaned up, that fella bowed his head and trusted Christ as a savior. Well, don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. So then Dick went over to the guy that was yelling and screaming at him and said, I'm so sorry for messing your car up. Can I give you a gift? He gave this guy a little New Testament and he said, are you 100% sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? The guy says, no. And he said, can I show you how? And the guy that was yelling and screaming at him was had his arm around Dick as he was showing him in the Bible how he could be saved. He prayed with him, trusted Christ as a savior. And Dick said, here's the guy. Now you can clap. Yeah, now let's... Dick is, is getting screamed at by a guy but cares about him so much and cares about his soul that he gives him the gospel. And he says, the guy was yelling at me and before I left, he was giving me a hug. Not too tight, but he was giving me a hug, thanking me 
for hitting his car <laughs> to be able to give him the gospel. I mean, think about that. And uh, so I praise the Lord for our church and the people that make up our church and the, the heart they have for souls. I want us to go to Romans chapter 14, Romans chapter 14, and let's read in verse number 19 together. Romans 14, verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for, what's that word? Peace. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. I think you would all agree. We live in a world today that is just full of anything but peace. And Paul is writing to the church here in chapter 14. He's writing specifically to the church. He's writing to them about unity. And we'll talk about why in just a moment. But he says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace or which make for unity. You know, Satan wants to divide anything that God has ordained. He wants to divide your home. He wants to divide the church. Anything that God wants to bless, Satan seeks to divide. That's his plan. But God wants, has a desire for unity. And the things that he desires to bless and the things that he has ordained, your home, the church, God desires for there to be unity in these things. In John chapter 17, verse number 22, the Bible says this. This is Jesus speaking. He said, and the glory which thou gavest me, I give, give them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In Psalm 133, verse number one, the psalmist write, wrote this, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, if we took the time to go out throughout the entire scripture and find all the places that talks about unity, we wouldn't have time in one service to do that. But God's desire is for the church to dwell together or the brethren to dwell together or those that are a part of a body of Christ to dwell together in unity. And I thank God for the unity that he's given us here at our church. I praise him for that. And when we are anointed, and write this down in your heart someplace, I want you to dwell upon this thought. When we are anointed by the Holy Spirit and in unison we agree to go out and obey God, then we are going to experience awesome power. When we are anointed by the Holy Spirit and then agree in unison or have unity to go out and do God's will, we will see awesome power in our lives. Unity, though, I must admit, and I know you would as well, unity is always difficult. It's always difficult. You see, every one of us have a different opinion. How many of you agree with that? See, some of you don't. And that's because of the difficulty of unity. You see, everyone has a different opinion. You see, you would love, uh, we, we, you would have to have to get uh, mail sometimes or see different things that I see or read comments on the, on the comment cards that I received to understand just how difficult at times it is for there to be unity in a church. You know, it's interesting. I could get a comment one week and say, boy, that was just an incredible service. And I say, praise the Lord. I read the next comment card and it say, we need to do things different about that service. I could get a comment about something we're doing and somebody love what we're doing and somebody else have a different opinion on it. I'll never forget when we 
when we remodeled the auditorium in here, we paid a company to do it. And, and uh, they had their people come in and, and, and pick all the colors and do everything, the carpet and all that. And, and I'll never forget, I was standing by the back door one Sunday morning and there was a lady that walked in and I, I love her. We joke about this now, but she walked in and she looked at me and she said, I hate the carpet. And she walked right by me and, and sat in her seat. And I said to her, I didn't pick it out. She said, I love it then. (laughs) You see, trying all of us to agree on something is impossible. You see, here in chapter number 14, the people at Rome, they were in danger of disunity. And that's what Paul is going to discuss here in chapter 14. There was conflict about things. There were conflicts about things that they were eating. And there were conflict about days that they should have been keeping. And Paul is writing in chapter 14 to cause the church to be in unity, not to dwell on things that are not important, but to dwell and to think about those things that are very important. I've learned that people who love God with all of their hearts can have a difference of opinion on something. Would you agree with that? People that love the Lord. You see, a difference of opinion should not be that someone is right with God or not right with God. A difference of opinion is simply a difference of opinion. And we could ask a question in a room with this many people and we could get a difference of opinion and that does not mean that anyone that has a different opinion than myself or than you loves the Lord any less. People that love the Lord have different opinions. They disagree on things. But when it comes to doctrine, there should be unity. You can say amen there. In doctrine, there should be unity. In opinions, Paul is going to show us that there should be liberty. In doctrine, we're together. In in opinions on things, there can be liberty. But in all things, the Bible tells us here in chapter 14, there must be charity or love. In doctrine, unity. In opinion, liberty. In all things, though, charity. I want you to see with me, look with me in verse number nine of this chapter. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and received, or revived, I'm sorry. He died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. And this is what Paul is bringing everything back to as he's going to discuss some of the things that is being eaten, some of the days that are being observed or not being observed. What Paul says in verse number nine, there's unity and that unity must be in who Christ is. Unity in the church will always come when we recognize who Christ is. He is Lord. He is our Savior. He is the one that we worship. He is the one who died, who rose again, who revived, that he may be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. And I would say this to you this morning, no matter what opinion we might have on something, unity comes when we agree on this fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's the unity the church must have. Write this down, number one, please, in your notes. Unity is who Christ is. Our unity must be upon who Christ is. Now, go with me in verse number two of this passage of scripture. And let's look and see, why is Paul writing chapter 14? What is he discussing? Why would he talk about being at peace 
Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Because I want you to see this in verse number two of this chapter. Paul is writing, he says this, for one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. He says, one of you that are together in this church at Rome, one of you feel like you can eat anything. The other is a vegetarian. Now, what's going on, what's happening, you've got to remember here back in these days, the, there are two groups of people. There's the Jews and then there are the Gentiles. The pagans then here in Rome, they would not, and the, while they were worshiping idols, they would worship idols by presenting their idols with meats. They would pray and present this offering to the idols. Now that they're saved, they don't want anything to do with meat that has been given to idols or been presented to idols. The Jews could care less. And so you've got a group of people, some are eating meat and others are saying, no, we can't eat that. We're going to eat herbs. And others are looking at them as they're eating this salad saying, man, I'm glad I'm not eating that salad. I've got this great piece of steak or whatever it is in front of me. And this thing, what they're eating, the things that they're eating, believe it or not, is causing division within the church. They disagreed about their diets. They received, uh, and, and, and Jesus, or I'm sorry, Paul said this, look with me in verse number 14, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation, disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not them, verse three, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Don't cause divisions because you see something differently because of your opinion. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Receive everyone. Don't, don't argue about incidental things. You see, they were upset with each other. You see, food that was offered to idols, the Jews had no problem eating it, but the pagans, now that they're saved, they're saying that was what we did when we were lost. I can't even get near that. I don't want to go near that food. And, And it's causing divisions within the church. And Paul's saying, these things aren't important. What's important is this, that to the end that Christ both died and rose and revived. He says, that's what causes unity. Don't look at what your opinion is on something and cause division within the church. Now we also see, look with me in verse number five, one man esteemeth one day above another. And another esteemeth every day alike. He says, one one person thinks that there's days that are more important. The other one says, no, they're all the same. Paul says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. What's the, what's the disagreement on days? Remember, the Jews, they'll eat. The pagans that are now saved, they say, no, we're not going to eat that meat because it was served idols and we've gotten away from that. And there's di- di- division between the two. Now the Jews are saying, now, now listen to me, these days are important days and we have to observe these days because this is what's in our, our Jewish faith and, and these are feasts and these are things that are important. And, and the pagans that are saved now, the Romans, they say, these aren't important to us. Every day is the same. We're not going to make more of a priority on those days than other days. And so here we have one person not liking what the other one does. And then when it comes to what they like, they're upset with the person because they don't see it their way. 
And, and what's in, important to see in this passage of scripture, we're all this way. There are things that we like that we think other people ought to like and do. There's things that we don't like that we think that others shouldn't like and do. And, and, and it may seem inconsistent, but it's just human nature. And Paul is addressing this. They're upset with each other. One is eating food. The other is not observing days. And listen to me this morning, please, understanding your heart. We can get divided over incidental things, and the church has to be careful of this. But we must stay united over the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because when Jesus Christ is Lord, the incidental things aren't important. In verse number one, he says, not to doubtful disputations, Look with me in verse number seven of chapter 15. Would you go there? Chapter 15, just turn the page, verse number seven. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. He says, receive one another. Don't look for reasons not to be united. Don't, for, don't look for things to divide over. Don't let your heart get so bad that now you become critical and you're looking for reasons to complain. Receive one another. Why? Because that's what Christ did for us. You know, we can get, we can be from the same family, but not be alike in some areas. We have five children, you know that, and I tell you, if you met our five children and hung around our five children, you'd find this. They're all from the same mother and father, I think. <laughs> There's one I'm not sure about. She's a lot different. No, they're all from the same mother and father, but you know what? They're all different. And what's, what's, what's so odd is one thinks one way and the other thinks another way. We've got one that if she was brought up on this platform and she had to speak, she would rather die. We have another that if she was brought on this platform, I wouldn't get her to shut up. And they're sisters. They're, they're, they're the same. Matter of fact, on the way to church this morning, the one that would like to get up here and never shut up said to me, Dad, do you ever get nervous when you get up in front of people and speak? I said, I do. She said, I don't. I said, how often do you get up in front of people and speak? She just... Very, very different than her sister. Same family. Why should we receive someone that may be different? Why should we receive someone that might have a different opinion? Look with me in verse number three. I'm glad you asked that question. The Bible tells us this in verse number three. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. For God hath received him. You see, and when God receives someone, we better receive them as well. God's not a respecter of persons. You know what? There's not a person in this room that's more important to God than anyone else. I'm no more important to God than you're important to God. God has received me. I was dead in trespasses and sin. I was a sinner on my way to hell. 
and I had to get saved and accept Jesus Christ just like you did. God received you. God received me. Look with me in verse number four. The Bible says, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? He said, who are you? Why would you judge another man's servant? This past week, I, my wife and I were at another church. And, and I, I met their staff. What a wonderful staff they had there at that church. Great pastoral staff. It wasn't my responsibility to look at that staff and judge them and tell them what to do and tell them what I think. It wasn't for me to go to another church while I was a guest speaker there, but, but, but that's, they had a pastor. It wasn't for me to go there and begin to tell them what they should do and how they should do it. That's not my responsibility. And here Paul says, who art thou that thou judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. He's accountable, he's accountable to his master, not to you. Yea, he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand. Now, I want you to see this. Why should we receive someone that we may have a different opinion on? Number one, because God received us. Number two is because we belong to God, not each other. We are not accountable for someone else. I'm not accountable for you and you're not accountable to me. When we stand before God, every one of us are gonna give an account See, sometimes we need to give people time to grow as well. Sometimes we just have to realize that not everyone thinks the same, not everyone understands the same. We need to give people time to grow. Look with me in verse number 10 of the same chapter. But why dost thou judge thy brother? He's asking this question. Why are you judging the brother? You're upset because they're eating what you're not eating. You're upset because they're, they're not observing the days that you want to observe. Why are you judging a brother? Why dost thou set a knot, thy brother? For, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Our stewardship is to God. You see, we are going to answer to God for our, on our behalf. And things are so, everyone's going to have a different opinion. But I'm never going to answer to God for Walter's opinion on something. I'm never going to answer to God for Walter's way Walter behaves. I am going to stand before God and give an answer on my life. You see, every, everyone has an opinion. You see, even in churches, believe it or not, in churches, people have different opinions. One of the things in churches that so many people have opinion on, and you would all agree with this and everyone would say amen to this, is the area of music. How many of you agree with that? This morning we sang some songs and there are some people that loved every song. Last week, I wasn't here last week and uh, I love it when people say, Pastor, you weren't here and the service was just great. <laughs> um, I wasn't here last week, but I had heard that the worship was wonderful last week. I praise the Lord for that. You know, in churches like ours, there could be some that during the music, there's, there's one I watched her up here today, um, Anita Ice, she's up here, she's just waving her hands. How many of you saw her? She's just waving her hands. And then we have others that won't move. She's like your congregation. 
Matter of fact, I told, I told our ushers, I said, now when people come in, I want you to start asking them the question, are you a hand waver and crap, uh, clap or you sit on this side? If you're not, you sit on this side. That way nobody gets offended. What's right and what's wrong? Matter of fact, the Bible says, lift up your hands. The Bible says, clap your hands. The Bible tells us to do those. Which one's right and which one's wrong? The reality is this. It really is a matter of opinion. It really is. And when we make Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is the main thing, when we're united on Jesus Christ, all the incidental things don't really matter. I'll say to someone one time, they'll say, boy, I was, I was sitting in front of someone and I was raising my hand and they weren't. Oh, well. Somebody will say, I was sitting in front of someone and they were raising their hand. And I'll say, oh, well. There were six strings on that guitar or seven. Oh, well. I don't even know if that's even true or not, you know. You see, we've got to understand when there is going to be opinions on things, everyone's going to have an opinion. But we have to realize that as a church, we must stay united on the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord. Last week, you know, one of, probably one of the number one, one of the number one text messages that I got last week was Chris Cox wore a tie. That was funny, guys. You can laugh at that. Nobody's in trouble. How many of you realize that? Notice that. He looked good, yeah. Someone said, he wore a tie. And I said, great. Are you going to wear one next week? No. <laughs> you see, everyone may have a different opinion on worship or dress. But as long as it glorifies and brings glory to Jesus Christ, that's what unites a church. You know, we'll never agree with everything. But if we pick and fight, there will never be anything left standing. I'll have some say this, Pastor, you don't preach on politics enough. We want a message every week of politics and I'll have someone say, Pastor, you, do, you preach on politics too much. And I'll think, how can it be both? See, unity is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived. That he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. My time is almost done. Would you write this down, number two? Unity is a matter of liberty. Unity is a matter of liberty. Look with me in verse number 17 of this chapter. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. He said it has nothing to do with those things. It has nothing to do with what you're eating. It has nothing to do with the days that are important to you. You're making a big deal and dividing over things that aren't important to the church. What's important to the church is Jesus Christ is Lord. He says in verse number 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You see, divisions divide and cause contention, and that's not what the kingdom of God's about. It's about peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Unity is a matter of liberty. When you're saved, the Lord has set you free. In verse number 22, the Bible says this, hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. Liberty has, has rights. You know, now that that, that that pagan now is saved, he can eat meat. No, before he was lost, he was the one bringing those and giving those to idols. He's not giving them to idols anymore. He's saved from that. He's been, he's been set free from that bondage. His God is now Jehovah. He's worshiping God through Jesus Christ. His life is changed. But you know, liberty has its rights, but also liberty has its responsibilities. Hold on now. In verse number 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is, uh, is, is not of meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says, let not your good be evil spoken of. And write this down in your heart someplace, Christians. Liberties, yes, liberty has its right. You're, you're, you're free in Christ. You can live. You're, 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 you're free. But, but, but liberty has its responsibilities. Don't take your responsibilities and make such rights out of them that you wound the church and the fellowship. And then lastly, lastly, write this down. Unity, unity is a matter of charity or love. Verse number 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat... Now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. You see, Matt, unity is a matter of love and I'm gonna be finished with this. And this is where I want us to have a heart. And this is where church, I hope our heart always is. Because if we want to divide, we can find anything. Today, if you want to be disgruntled, you can be disgruntled. You know Why? because we're all humans. If you want to be disgruntled with me, you're gonna find something to be disgruntled. I'm human. I've never claimed to be anything other than human. If I wanna be disgruntled with our church and say, you know what, enough of this, I'm gonna go find a better church. You know what I would find? A church of humans. That's why unity is important and unity is a matter of love. You see, charity, that word charitably or charity in our Bible, that means love. In verse number 13, look with me. Let us not therefore judge one another, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. You know what love will do? It'll keep a brother from stumbling. Unity, when we're unified on verse number nine, for this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord. If we're unified on that, you know what will happen? I will seek to live in such a way that yes, I have liberty. I can, I'm, I've, I'm free in Christ, but you know what I will do? I will live in such a way where I'm not a stumbling block to my brother. I'm not going to give a brother a reason to stumble. Write this down. Unity is a matter of love. Love is going to, number one, it'll keep a brother from stumbling. Number two, love will not give a reason for sorrow. Look with me in verse number 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, if he's angry, if this is bothering him, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him 
with thy meat for whom Christ died. He says he's important to Christ. Christ died for him. And if you've got charity, unity in Christ will bring love, will bring charitably, treat others this way. And when you do, love doesn't give you a reason for sorrow. Don't be anything that breaks a brother's heart. Don't do anything that's going to cause grief to a brother. You know, there's things that I'd love to say, but I won't. Why? Because I don't want to bring sorrow. There's things that you'd love to say, but you won't. Why? Because you don't want to bring sorrow. We don't want to behave in our flesh, responding to any situation. We want to have unity in Christ. Then thirdly, would you write this down? Unity is a matter of love. Love, number one, it'll keep a brother from stumbling. Number two, love will not give a reason for sorrow. Number three, look with me in verse number 19. We'll find this. Love will not give a reason for separation. Look with me in verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace in things wherewith one may edify another. You know what love does? When we're unified in Christ, you know what love does? Seeks peace. You know what love does? It causes me to react with you in such a way that edifies you, that encourages you, that lifts you up, that, that treats you respectfully. That's what a Christian does. That's what love should do. You see, in church, in your home, just because my wife and I are married, she doesn't agree with me on everything and I don't have to agree with her on everything. She'll do this. She, brought, she bought a, um, uh, something for the door, a wreath for the door. She hung it up on the door. And I hate when she asks me this question. And all of you men know what's coming. So what do you think? The first thought I'm thinking is, what'd you pay for it? That's my first thought. (laughs) Then my second thought is, how do I answer this? Obviously, she bought it, so she likes it. And so, you know what I say? I love it. (laughs) I love it. If I say anything other than that, why? Why? Why would I? Something comes out of the oven burned. What do you think? I like crispy. (laughs) Why say anything else? You see, sometimes we just get to the place where we think our opinion is so important. And it wounds. It hurts. Satan will do anything he can to cause division in your home. He'll use a wreath on the door. He'll use a meal you don't like. He doesn't care. He just wants you to get disagree. He just wants you to fight. He just wants you to not get along. Because when you get that place, you get to grow a spirit and a root of bitterness. And once that springs up, you mark it down, there's trouble. We must be unified on this fact, for to this end, Christ both 
died and rose and revived. And because of that, he is our Lord. And church, on Clover Road Baptist Church, stands on the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is who we worship. He is who we praise. Let's bow together today. Father, Lord, we do thank you that Paul addresses things in the book of Romans that we need addressed. He addresses salvation through Jesus Christ. He addresses all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What a wonderful book this is. Lord, we need unity. As the day of the Lord approaches, as Satan is doing everything he can in these last days to divide and thinking he's going to win, Lord, I pray that we would stand united on the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again and revived. He's living again and he is Lord of our life, of our church. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to complain about, nothing to worry about. We have nothing to judge others over. You've received us and God, we're so thankful, thankful, thankful for that. And so Lord, I pray for every home here today. Lord, if there was division this week, if there was frustration and division last evening, if there was tension this morning as they awoke, Lord, I pray that you'd bring peace. May they understand that the incidental things that are not important, but you're Lord. And we worship you and we honor you. And we glorify you. And we praise you. You're our God. You've received us sinners we were nothing. We were lost and undone. And you saved us. You took us out of the miry clay and you set our feet upon a solid rock. And God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for that. And so Lord, I pray that you bring unity to our homes, to our church, to our life. Bring peace in a very hurtful, anger-filled, sinful world. May your body have peace. May we have joy. And we'll thank you for it. I ask you for just a moment. Would you stand with me for just a moment? In church, is there unity? Is there peace in your home? Is there peace in your heart? Is there peace in your church? Do you have peace? Oh, there's enough. There's enough to get excited about. There's enough to get tense about. There's enough to be anxious about and be fearful about. But Jesus Christ, he died. But he's not on the cross. He's not in the grave because he rose again. He revived. He's not dead. 
He sitteth at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And because of that, we rejoice. And he's not only sitting there, he's anticipating and waiting for the day that God says, his father says, son, go get your bride. And a trump is gonna sound. And the dead in Christ are gonna rise. And then we which are alive and remain are gonna be caught up in the clouds to be with Jesus forever. Oh, what a promise, a blessed promise we have. Let's not live any other way. I said to Jeff Kaminsky this past week, he told me his father passed away. And I said to him this, I said, Jeff, just think, what is your father looking at right now? He's looking into the face of Jesus Christ. All the incidental things, he's not even given a thought to. He's face to face with his savior, his Lord. It's become truth, sight to him. You know what I would say, Christian? Let's learn to live that way here. Let's learn to, learn, learn to live that way here. Let's prepare ourselves for heaven. May your homes be the closest thing to heaven that your children and your spouse has ever seen. When we gather together each week, may this be the closest thing to heaven than we've ever seen. Let's prepare our hearts for the kingdom of heaven. Let's choose to live in peace. And it only comes by putting Jesus Christ in his rightful place as Lord. And I proclaim today, he is Lord of this place. He is Lord of this church. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as a savior, our prayer today is that you would receive Christ, realizing this, that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned, come short of the glory of God, but God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And there's an eternity. And the Bible tells us that you're gonna spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. There's no other place. If you die in your sins, hell is your eternity. If you die in Christ, your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ that he spilt and shed there upon the cross. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, for as many as received him, that then gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believed on his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, would you choose to trust him today? Lord, I'm a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. Today, I repent of that sin. I turn from that sin and I trust you. What you did upon the cross, I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again from the dead and I accept that sin payment for my sin. Come into my life, save me. Give me eternal life. I wonder if there's one here today, you'd say this, I need to trust Christ today as my savior. I need to be saved 
today I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want eternal life. I want heaven as my home. I want my sins forgiven. And I trust him today as my savior. Is there one like that? Just slip your hand up and slip it back down. Is there one like that at all? I want to pray with you today. Is there one? And then Christians, let's decide that we're going to have unity. Doesn't matter what a brother eats. Doesn't matter what a day he celebrates. What matters is Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I pray you dismiss us with your blessings. Dismiss us with power from above. May we be filled with your spirit. Help us to walk in your spirit. Help us to love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day.